2: This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm Wayne Barton, joined by the legendary former Manchester United and England defender, Paul Parker. Paul Parker, one of the best defenders in Premier League history. His man-marking skills were renowned throughout the land. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm gonna stop
0: <laughs> yeah you're gonna stop you're, you're doing it now to wind me up so let's move on
2: <laughs> no I, it's all true like there's nothing that i'm saying that I'm there's nothing tongue-in-cheek i would never say it if it's not true and if i didn't believe in it so <laughs> if, if people think I'm, I'm winding paul up i'm only doing it because i know he gets embarrassed by it um how, how are you doing paul you all right
0: yeah i'm fine thank you very much wayne
2: <laughs> good stuff Um, Talking Devils brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts Classic Football Shirts have a range of classic shirts and sportswear online And in physical stores listeners to this podcast get a 10% discount Using TOTD10 at the checkout online Um, A lot to cover this week Paul because I missed last week I was a bad podcaster so um, a lot to cover Um, We should start with the Europa League Uh, Let's get warmed up for the main event um, poor second leg really United were lucky to get a 0-0 after Sociedad missed that early penalty a few grumbles about the disallowed goal that United had but Lindelof went in like a wrecking ball so what, what are you going to do the tie really decided in the first leg which was a very good United display, um, I'm not going to grumble about winning 4-0 away from home but I, I would say though it felt as if so- Sociedad hadn't, had done their own work on us because we were ex- able to exploit um, all the The uh, natural things that we do Like for example Dan James has been really good Recently but um, the rule of thumb I I tend to think is if Dan James Is able to play his natural game and and Exploit you then either the rest of the Team are so exceptional at finding him space Or you're just not defensively Prepared and I think so should add in that First leg leg, at least They weren't they weren't prepared for us they played into our hands a little bit Paul um, so it made the sort of tie a bit of a procession am I being a little bit too harsh on Sociedad Dad there or do you think, um, you think that's about right
0: I would say that's about right really they just didn't a bit of naivety a team that had such a good start in La Liga and you're looking for that little bit more to to actually say there's a reason why they did what they did at the start of the season, and, and we're top of the league, but they didn't show anything at all really, I don't know if they struggle because of them having to play, them not getting the opportunity to play at home, they had to play the game in Budapest, I, I really don't know, but I was, when you look at them, I expected a bit more from them than what I actually saw, but You know, they just—they were just naive in what they'd done, and I think when you say that. When they come to Old Trafford, they are more prepared. I think to be perfectly honest, if they wasn't, then it, was, it would just it gone. It would have gone beyond naivety. And it'd be negligent, mm. and I think you'd have to get rid of the manager if they were going to come and get beaten four 0 at home, four 0 away from. Well, they played two games away from home anyway. But to lose four 0 at Old Trafford, manager should have lost it. Would have lost. Well, should have lost his job if that was to happen. And it boils down to the fact of you've been beaten. You're four 0 and you suddenly say to yourself we're not going to concede anymore here. Yeah. We can't afford to keep, concede. Ties gone, game's gone. Mm. Let's not embarrass ourselves any. Let's just give a little bit of grit and whatever happens, <clears throat> we, win, we, win, we win this game or you know, we don't lose this game. We don't concede anymore. And, and that's what they've done. And, and in theory, you could call it a professional performance, but when you judge this game, you judge it over 180 minutes and in 180 minutes, they, they, they wasn't good enough. Mm. It's as simple as that.
2: And United were, weren't they? Let's I mean yeah, all right, Social Dad were not prepared and they didn't do the homework. But you, you <coughs> beat what's in front of you and United did do their professional job on them.
0: Yeah, they did. They'd done, they'd done the hard work early on and, and that's what you do. I mean, that's if you dig in and you get it done, uh, it makes things easier. I think there was an old adage many, many, you, many years ago in football, which does, is not used anymore, but I still think it's quite significant, is the fact of um, they always used to kind of say, I mean, I'll get it out of my head in a minute. i have just had it in my head and it's just gone out of it again. It's virtually, um, win, you've got to win the battle to win the war. Yeah and I think in certain games that that comes that, that stands out and I think you have to do that and you can talk about United's away form in the Premier League sometimes or it has been early on when they were going behind they wasn't winning the battle earlier early enough but they did win the war in the end fortunately enough on numerous occasions but that can only go for so long so somewhere along the line that, that football saying is still about. I'm sure it's used a lot in the lower divisions because that is a that is a battle down there. You have to do that. You have to play in a certain way from the start to try and get that territory to control the game and and then I have to say when you know United did that when they played um Social Dad in the first game. You could see it from the start of the game that they were right. They started it right and you know, when you look at them in Europe, their way performance in Europe, you have to say it hands down beats their, their way performance in the Premier League just by the way they go, they went about the game. Mm,
2: yeah, um, so yeah, United through to face AC Milan, <coughs> looking forward to talking about that tie when it comes around. Um, in the Premier League, 3-1 win against Newcastle Fairly routine um, Was followed by this uh, weekend's Visit to Stamford Bridge uh, Which was much more eventful than a 0-0 Scoreline suggests um, I, Well, I say much more eventful In terms of the game itself, maybe not um, Paul, 0-0 Take the penalty incident aside from the game because Obviously we're going to talk about that in a moment Solshaw after the game Praised the performance but criticised The on-ball quality and I think he was right to do that. A lot of people have missed that when they've looked at the summary of it, but Solskjaer was quite keen to say that on the ball we weren't good enough. Yeah. Um, unlike other games, you know, you couldn't say that the front three didn't get on the ball, but I think when you look at it, it was definitely one of those games where the lack of a top quality midfielder hurt us, <coughs> wasn't it, Paul? Because they were very good at breaking up the play again, but so poor on the ball, and it sort of set the tone for the performance.
0: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I. Uh, that says it all, really. You can throw in a, a load of <clears throat> big words and you can analyse deep. But that's, that's the way. That's exactly how it was. And that's why I kind of saw the game when I was working on it. And <clears throat> I mostly used, kind of used those different words. But that's what I was saying. They did. I mean, they were just going... United were just destroying without creating anything. Looking to create. Again, Fernandes was out of the game. Chelsea got him out of the game United struggled he was getting trying to get into the game and all he was doing was getting more and more frustrated and and United are more than just a team that are going to destroy you can't be like that any any team anybody can 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 destroy you go down to the second division you know the football league you can you can find teams in there that can come out and destroy you Manchester United you're in the top division you have to have, have that little bit of more, that little bit more, and you look in certain way in games. And yes, you have to <clears throat> do that little bit of work to, to stem the tide of a, another top side. You don't want them to be able to play through you. Mm. But that first 10 10-15 minutes, Chelsea were electric. <clears throat> they're yeah, moving. Then you know the way they couldn't. You know couldn't get them near them because they're one touch and excuse me, <clears throat> their um, pace of the pace they're putting on the ball into players. Kind of virtually telling them, you know, to turn quickly just because the ball was coming in at such a pace. Or if if they didn't, they just suddenly went boom and they just touched it off and played back and through and causing all kinds of problems. The one thing they couldn't do, Chelsea, which has been their biggest problem, even under Lampard, is that last bit in the final third where Tuchel hasn't really yet found what is his best attacking trio or double act, whatever, whatever... You want to say they haven't got that bit right yet. He's got his defensive shape sorted out, but it's just missing Thiago Silva, I think. And Alonso wasn't playing, who is a, is a is, would have caused more problems than what Chilwell's ever going to cause as a, as a wing back. But yeah. yeah, they were lacking in that sense. United. Then he's got he's got to really figure out what he wants to do in that midfield. And is he just going to keep having two midfield grafters? And a playmaker, or is he just going to look around? Is it we've turned around and say, my team has got to be better with the ball, and we've got to get on the ball more, have more time on the ball, and then we can look then to get an extra creative player on there and take away one of one of the um, the game breakers Um, because it is it's really showing up to be honest. Good as it is, and they're just about getting over the lines in a lot of game when you when they come up against the so-called one of the top six. There's nothing ever there. It doesn't look... United suddenly don't look like that team. And when they're not looking like a team that is going to really go and really beat a top-six side well, then you suddenly think to yourself... God, blooming a few weeks ago I was talking about this team mate, This team were top of the league And I was thinking they could win the league again winning. If anybody's honest as a Man United fan They're going to come out and say Well great what they went and done It was good to have that feeling again After <clears throat> after six, seven years Was it six years? Um, six years, whatever that, that feeling but I know that we wasn't good enough To go and win that league Because we just haven't got the right personnel At this moment in time
2: Yeah and, and you know and you're right we, and we've we I think we were kind of saying that, and I think a few people over the window were saying, oh you're being a little bit cautious a little bit negative with it, but I think there's a difference between being negative and realistic and and I want them to give praise to Oli, but the reason why I was being hesitant with giving that praise about was like saying, oh, we're going to win the league or whatever is because in February or March when the squad settles down and that form settles down and we're not playing quite as well and we go through that sticky <coughs> patch and we see where United level off and where they are, I don't want Solskjaer being criticised for not massively overachieving I still think that this is an overachievement because if you remember going right back to the start of the season, we were talking about um, top four and the way that the, the end of the transfer window went, it was such a sort of mess that we were kind of lucky to come out of that with A, that Cavani settled as well as he did and B, that Shaw's responded as well as he has done to the, the tellers thing, but apart from that hasn't been a great um, strengthening of the squad from last season and You know, so to to sort of consolidate that top four spot, I thought um, was really good considering how much Chelsea spent, how much other teams around us spent. And I'm not not saying that United are paupers, of course they're not, but in terms of what I was expecting us to achieve, to be second place in the league. Now, what we're talking about now, Paul, and I think what we've talked about all along, what we've said, McTominay and Fred, and you were saying this a year ago. Uh, was your reservation about McTominay dictating the pace of a top game like that? Now, he does well in breaking up the play, but you saw yesterday <coughs> a couple of moments on the ball where he's just not. He's just. And it might come, it might come, but it's not there yet. And you just think they're a player alongside him, or, or alongside Fred, one or the other, who is better on the ball, who is more comfortable at sort of moving it so that <coughs> Fernandes isn't always, like like you said, Fernandes gets lost because one of those because we don't have one good passer in the two midfielders really and I think that's a massive consequence of that but at the moment and I'll get onto this in a, in a bit because I've got a bit of a rant with Solskjaer um, and, and the way the people are talking about him after this game but this is this squad poll and yeah people might talk about these nil nils again, I'll talk about them in a bit but that's this squad, that performance yesterday, that is what to expect, isn't it? I know, people are there like, people surprised by it? They think that they should expect more. I think that's about right for, for this squad, isn't it? That's what to expect, as good as we can get from from that group of players.
0: Yeah, I would, I would say so. When you're looking, <clears throat> when it comes to games like that, I think, Oli oh, does go on his guard and the way he yeah. plays because he knows the truth himself about what he's got. He's been in sides, he's been in great sides, so he's played it. And he's, it's only just still quite recently in certain ways that he's, he sees it, he knows it. He's with the person who actually done that job and took the club to, to where it is now. So he knows it. Um, I think it's just people out there <clears throat> are, are expecting more. And the problem is, is they're not in it. They're not living it every single day what he's doing. So these so-called fans who seem to be a fountain of knowledge about football are telling him that he should be doing this, he should be doing that, but he knows how far this squad can go. And, and at the moment, they're virtually at the pinnacle of how far they can go. Now is going to need a bit of extra blood and guts to try and finish the best of the rest in that league. Because there's a distance between Manchester United and Manchester City. When they play each other, it's going to be different. It's not really maybe going to show as much. Because of how much the game is, how much is on that game for the city, but when you look at it over a season because football is judged on league positions, not yeah. cup games, and you judge it over a league season, and whatever you say the the team who 's the best will the best will go to the top doesn 't matter how much you say you play better football in them is the difference is that they 've been winning more or getting or getting the vital points needed in the games to make them top of the league. And and that's the difference at this moment in time between Manchester United and Manchester City and, and maybe some other teams. United have to finish in that next spot down to prove that they have taken us taken a step forward. Already they've they've got 14 points more now than what they had the previous season. Do you do you take that as a significant jump and think, yeah, you take that and go yes that's that's good, that is better than what we've done last season. Or do you look at it and go, Well hold a minute, the way this season is and what's happening out there, can we take this seriously? Or have you gotta wait till next season? That is the question. And that's what we and the we'll be doing is comparisons next season, Wayne. Yeah, yeah. Comparing this to what we what we're gonna endure in next season. So that's, I think that's when it's going to really come out the, what, what clubs have stepped forward and now have used this what's gone on to really step forward as a club and a team to the ones who have struggled with it and have and maybe going to take a step backwards and not come forward from, from this era of the Premier League
2: Yeah um, so obviously there some other big talking points from the game yesterday Uh, a couple of um, chances for either side, uh, really a couple, they were at a premium I would have said the best chances um, came down to a very similar position really, you had the one in the first, I think it was the first half, with Hudson Adoy with that amazing cross for Giroud, where um I say an amazing cross Maguire and Lindelof somehow let Giroud get in there For a chance and he, he just misses it And then right at the end Of the game in a similar position McTominay doesn't have the quality of that cross But the players are there So it's like the the sort of reverse scenario I And mean, I think that was as close as both Teams came to the goal um, Apart from The hudson um, um, no, Was it hudson Adoy with the handball In the first half yeah, yeah, was, was. yeah it was Okay so Obviously Paul His hand is in an unnatural position It connects with the ball All of the Chelsea players Appeal for ball. Ironically enough When he knocks it onto Greenwood's arm um, A lot of people saying Well Greenwood's arm is the one that pushes um, Adoiz into, um, into that position To handle it um, First of all Before we get into all the nonsense That came after it Just on the basis of what you saw Do you think it was a penalty? No Right,
0: OK. No, not, not at all. I didn't even look at it as a penalty. And one of the things as well is, is that Chelsea players were reacting for a handball in their box, but then no United players were reacting for a penalty.
2: Yeah.
0: Not one of them.
2: No one of them, Greenwood.
0: Yeah. No, no one. Greenwood, no one, no one actually reacted for it at all. So that, that tells you a little tells you a story that does as well. Harry Maguire only got involved in it and started pulling a face saying like he was disappointed it wasn't one. He didn't even know it wasn't one. He didn't even know it, it could have been one, but he gets involved in it. And it wasn't anywhere near it. They've made a massive meal of something, and maybe because the game wasn't the greatest, they're just looking for something. This guy can just look for something to make it, you know, to do out of that game, and it was, it wasn't. I mean, you said there it's unnatural. Well, what I'm trying to say why was it unnatural? Because he was off balance. The ball was up there, and you're trying to move your arms ag- around. You don't have your arms around, Sajer. You're, you're trying to twist your body, so your arms come up higher because you're looking to twist it. And when you twist, you need your arms up to make sure you don't fall over. Because if your hands are in your pocket and you try and turn quickly, there's a chance that you're going to fall over, or your body's your your body's going to lurch. So you need your arm up to bring, keep yourself up high. So it's not really unnatural, and and that's the thing about I always say about all this with VAR, or I'm not going to call it VAR because it's it's still humans who yeah. are, who are make who are actually doing. It. It's not machines. So um, it needs somebody in there, and I keep saying this: someone who has played the game for a long period of time and it doesn't have to be a Premier League player, it doesn't have to be a Football League player, it could be a National League player, but somebody who knows about the game, has done enough in the game to know about it, who can actually see those things straight away and go, nah, hmm. just go, no, that ain't no, there was no intent, and is it? Oh, with his arms up high above his shoulder, it's unnatural, no, it's, it's, it's natural because of what the rest of his body's doing, because of the balance, the symmetry of the body, and these people in there haven't got it. I'll, sit, I'll go to games, Wayne. I'll watch some of these referees and assistant referees warm up. Christ almighty, it's terrible. You wouldn't want your kids to run like that at a young age and to run like that as an adult, it must be embarrassing. These people have never, some of them have never kicked a football properly to understand it, to know it. So it need, they need help. And forget about what happens in other countries. They've got their way of doing things. But we need in this one to get our own idea of that because it's hit his hand, first and foremost, it wasn't intentional. intentional. But, and the next, can
2: bit, I, it wasn't unnatural. Can, can, I, can I just interrupt and ask you a, a question on this? Then? Yeah. So, obviously, you're talking from the professional point of view. I will always defer to that, and I, we've talked about handballs before. And you know, going back to Deli Alli against us when he, he controlled it with his hand, and I remember saying at the time, "Well, I don't think he meant to do that, but it was a good goal that he scored." And um, but but the letter of the law that season said that that goal shouldn't have stood. Um, but in the spirit of the game, I, you know, overall, I would say it wasn't an handball. But these these are two different conversations that we're having, aren't they Really. It's, do we think it should be a penalty? Is it a penalty based on the rules this season? Um, the other the other um, conversation to have with this, um, and you mentioned about intent there, and they made the same argument for Alexander-Arnold, uh, was it Burnley, when he, he sort of blocked the tackle and oh. the guy goes down for the penalty. Is there an argument, Paul? And I know it's harsh on the defender, but if really the intent is on the attacker to score a goal or get into a position to score a goal it doesn't matter if you intended to stop him scoring, if you stopped him scoring by an illegal mean I'm not saying that Greenwood would have scored but you have stopped him scoring by using a matter that's out of the law that it doesn't matter if you intended to do it or not do you see where I'm coming from with that? I get the sort of um, the general rule of intent that sometimes you know if you if you go genuinely to win the ball but it's a it's a foul then that sort of should be taken into account for the, the you know a red card you know a deliberate red card for foul play or something but if you have used a, a body part that shouldn't be used to stop the ball um, in a position like that um, does intent really matter at that point?
0: Um, I don't. I mean, I still think you got to look at it. I think it's still so subjective. Football. It's not like cricket or rugby. The rules are not bang on, and they're written in stone, and they can't can't be manipulated. Football's different. It's, sub, it, it's different. And <clears throat> the way football's going at the moment, if you make a rule like that, then what happens is everyone be trying to kick balls against people's hands, like school 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 um school grounds. Be like it'd be like a school playing field. Playground. It'll be just people kicking balls against hands and things like that, trying to do it. We've already seen already, until referees get stronger and braver, that we're having players throwing themselves to the floor. And so until, we, until referees start getting that bit of sorted out and start making players think that they could be embarrassed by accepting a yellow card or getting a red card because they've had a yellow before, then... If you, bring, if you bring a rule in like that, it's going to cause even bigger, bigger yeah. problems. And, the, and yeah. the game is just going to be full because at the end of the day, and no one will ever say it, the players are cheating. I mean, I watch, how many times do we see a free kick or corner go in the box and the player throws himself to the floor? Yeah. You know, That's they're all, right they're all doing right. it. It's, it's, sorry, Wayne. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely shocking what's going on in the game. And no one is talking about it. They're not talking about growing men, I'm going to call them growing men, even though they're young men, but they're growing in the profession they're in, they're experienced, they're maturing their possession. Those kind of players are throwing themselves to the floor. I'm seeing big six foot six centre-halves, 13, 14 stone, suddenly saying they have been knocked over, where before they wouldn't have been. They wanted to show everyone they was tough. I'm seeing them all. I'll tell you what again, and I'm not picking on him, I'm not picking on him at all. People, everyone's saying about I don't like him, I've always having a go at him. Well, I'm only questioning him because how much he cost, and real, in theory, it wasn't what he was worth. Harry Maguire took a kick in his hand against Giroux, and he's walking around having a go at Giroux and showing him the cut in his hand. There's a cut in my hand. Would I see Steve Bruce doing that? Would I? Would I? He wouldn't even let people know he's, he's got a cut in his hand. So that's what the game's become now. The number five of, and captain of Manchester United is going around showing Drew what he'd done to him. It wasn't a great big great big, high um, stud marks ripped open groin or anything like that that he's done and it was over the top challenge. A bit like what and, you know, Andy Simpson done to me. Andy Simpson ripped, ripped me open on the inside. I didn't go to Andy and say there's that or anything. Yeah. I didn't do anything I just I got on with it I didn't want to Andy knew what he'd done wrong he'd come across and he'd he come across and he said sorry to me but the thing about it is though that I didn't want anybody to know that I was hurt hmm. I definitely didn't want him to know that he what he'd done to me I, he only knew after when he saw me walk, when I walk when he saw me walking after so it, it's wrong at the moment what's going on and and if we bring that handball rule in it's gonna cause even more controversy yeah. on, on that side, all over. It's it's bad enough now as a spectator sport because the game keeps stopping every two seconds.
2: Yeah. No, I'm I'm definitely with you on that. On on that sort of on the philosophy of yeah, players will look to kick the ball to hands. That's obviously yeah. where that would head where it would head. But I'm just thinking I was thinking more on, on that sort of obstacle course kind of way, you know, like Alexander <coughs> Arnold against lead he, he just blocks the player off, um, and it's not his fault really, but... Yeah you, know,
0: well, yeah, you are right, Wayne, you are right about that, he's, he's done what he's done, he's got his back to the situation because the way he's fallen down, and Calvert-Lewin has made a point of running directly towards him and falling over him. Why can't referees see that? Why can't the people in VAR see that and see what Calvert-Lewin's done and go, bang, no, you have cheated. Have a yellow card for what you what your intentions were. It was it was unprofessional what you tried to do, ungentlemanly conduct what you tried to do, Calvert, and get away with. Not that it's a big thing, because at the end of the day, they were winning the game 1-0. Liverpool weren't going to score in a month for Sundays, the way that game had gone for them. It wasn't with them. But still, a player... Tried to manipulate, or sorry, intended to manipul- manipulate the referee and achieve that.
2: So the um, the consequential thing is whether or not you know we can disagree on whether or not it was a penalty It doesn't really matter <laughs> because <laughs> what came after that was so farcical. Do you know? Um, it, it's not one of those where I'm gonna. I, I wouldn't be like Ollie oh, coming out after saying that's cost us two points because I think the the overall performance didn't deserve it. You know and I I'm, I think on on matters like this when the rule's changing so much I would always sort of think your experience of playing the game at that kind of level is much more valuable and, and probable in terms of what should be reasonable than what mine is I just saw it and thought oh well blah 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 and obviously if it had been the other way I might be looking at it a bit differently however um it was blown up because of all the nonsense that happened in, in the middle of the game. Obviously, the, the play goes on, it stops, he goes and checks it. Um, he sort of looks like he's going to give it at one point because... Of, oh,
0: it was, that was shocking, what he'd done there. I assumed initially he points downwards directly, and I think off, the way the camera, the view I got, it looked like he'd given it. Yeah, and I think the players fought it and that's when all of a sudden then I knew he hadn't given it because I then saw Harry Maguire whining about it and then I thought because it showed I saw Hudson-Odoi like going mad at one point Yeah, so the referee they don't know what they're doing there's too much going on in their heads with what's going on so I'd love to see what's going in there. As much as anyone goes, oh, I've been in there, they show me this, they show me that, they're not really getting a real view of it. Is anyone actually sitting there and watching what's going on and able to talk truthfully on how they work in that little room they work in? And no one will come out and say that, so will come out and say it, because they're mostly told that, with you coming in, say, you can't go and talk about what you're seeing. So they're scared of what they're doing or what might be said about them. And to be honest, Again, it's coming this, this bit again, which has been mentioned. The referee should be out there after the game explaining what happened, why, how he got to that decision and what happened. Because he, first of all, gave a penalty. But they, they never get asked any questions. And you think yourself, in any other industry, whatever, you, be, you have to go and talk about it. A player does. If a player's made... Press will go to a player and look for an answer. They do that after the interview and when they score a goal or they've been involved in something, a big highlight in the game. They have to, in a way, explain themselves. If they're not explaining themselves straight after the game, somehow they, it will come out on Twitter or something, an explanation of what's going on. Referees can virtually go out there, murder a player, and they don't have to explain why they murder them or how they murdered them.
2: Well, apparently Paul he did <laughs> He told Harry Maguire um, Apparently he said the reason why he didn't Is because they, it would cause a lot of talk afterwards No I'm not in, no. So this is, this is what Luke Shaw sorry
0: said. Sorry there Wayne Are you, are you saying Harry Maguire said the referee said that
2: No no I, I'm going to read to you um, The quote It was Luke Shaw's post match in, interview right? He said yeah. um, Right let me read The quotes for you I heard him say um, I heard him say that if I say that's a pen then it's going to cause a lot of talk about it after, so I don't know what happened there H, that's what they call Harry Maguire said that they got told it was a pen he got told it was a penalty by VAR so I don't, so I'm not sure what's gone on, I don't understand why he stopped, if he's going to stop you would think maybe he's going to give a pen because we had the ball we were attacking I mean, I, so but it was Luke Shaw saying that he heard the referee tell Harry Ari Maguire that um if if it's a if I say that this is a penalty, there's going to be a lot of talk about it afterwards. So that's why he didn't give the penalty.
0: Yeah, well, no. Do, do you know what Luke Shaw's gone and said that on the back of hearsay? So if I'm Harry Maguire, I'd be disappointed that he's come out and said that and put put me in the put me in the soup. To well, be perfectly honest, and then yeah. the referee, then the situation now is that referee should now be up in front of his um, bosses and kind of explain himself. He's come out and he's said something like that to a player or in front of a player. So. I don't know. Is Luke Shaw just making up things just so he can just to self-importance?
2: United have actually come out and said that um, they they said that Shaw misheard McG- um, the referee yeah. saying. Yeah. So I think they do They're trying to sweep it under the carpet. Yeah. Though. Well,
0: again, yeah, he needs a little slap on the wrist, Luke Shaw. He's, he's talking too much. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, far too much.
2: But um, I think I think the I mean the instant reaction to it yesterday was um, on, on the you know on the coverage after the game they was they were going mad about you know the referee doing something like that but, you know, referees are under a lot of pressure this weekend um, for what happened against... Uh... They
0: need to give the games back to referees, Wayne. That's, yeah. that's the reason why they're under more pressure than what they were before. They haven't made the game any easier for referees. They haven't made it any easier for fans mm. at this moment in time. And fortunately, at this moment, not or unfortunately, whatever way you look at it, there isn't fans in the stadium because, to be honest, it would, it would cause tension in a stadium. This is in, this this system would is is causing tension. It's, yes. it's 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 winding people fans up. You know if they're on about say, oh we're doing this out, it, it will cause problems. And you know where before I always thought that oh god they brick this is going to come in. That means like you'll be going into your social club, your working man's club, the dog and duck, and you won't be you'll have nothing to talk about because everything's going to be correct. There's nothing to will ever argue about talk, Oh yeah, you did play really well. You deserved it. But not anymore. There's more talk now, but they're not really talking about the game. They're not talking about the who was a better team. They're talking about decisions and this um, Acrim, not giving it, not giving a decision. Yeah. So it's it's gone backwards in a way. It's not really it's not fun. I, you know, I go out and I do games. Is it fun? Not really. I have more fun in a normal time coming back on the train, squashed up against the door. At the moment, I can drive in and drive out because it's quiet out there, no fans in there, but it's absolutely, just, honestly, it's becoming something now, football, it's becoming like like a repeat drama. You know what's happening next. You're looking at the football and it's bland, quite boring... And everything needs a lift. We're all sitting there waiting. In the moment something happens, we're just sitting there waiting for the commentator to go, oh, I think VAR's going to check this. They don't really know straight away, but it's just now everyone's got to talk about VAR because it gives you more, you can have more words about it. So it's, it's it's getting a bit tedious, the game now. It needs fans in there to give that little bit of an edge for everybody, for the players. And we need to stop, try to stop this talk about these people in the broom cupboards and get the game, what, it, what it's meant to be about, it's about footballers. Yeah, it's the games,
2: you're, yeah. Right. you're right, it's been decided, many games have been decided by people who aren't even on the game. On yeah, the that, would that be
0: on, yeah, that's life outside the game as well. Yeah. The, the main people in fo- involved in football are the ones who are not, who are not earning out of it. Foot, the money in football is going to non-football people now. Yeah. The game now is being, is being run by people who are non-football people. The main people involved are the ones who are being persecuted out on the pitch.
2: I think as well, um one thing that you wouldn't see as much of is and I'll get on to my run in a second, um, is that and we've talked about it before, playing out from the back when you're not we oh. you, you don't have the strength to do it and United do it all the time. They wouldn't no. get away with that if there were crowds there. There were long passages and Chelsea write it as well. They just it, and it's so bad it's bad to watch. It's so no, it's bad fan- to watch.
0: It's phantom it's phantom football, it's not real. They wouldn't do it if they did it and got caught out once and next time it goes again you'd hear the phantom fans go you could hear fans go Mm. oh no and all of a sudden it would put the players on edge and then all of a sudden they go we're not going to do that there's been there's been a couple of teams who are okay i think there's two teams well there's only one team who who could do it and they wouldn't be phased by it and that would be manchester city
2: yeah absolutely Um, they
0: they, they wouldn't be phased other teams are doing it because everyone feels obliged to do it because they feel like they're going to get they're going to get stick if they don't do it from the, from everyone, or they look they look bad because they're just going long and they're going to be persecuted by the media. Gone gone long. It's like everybody now. Like no one wants to kneel down and really wants to kneel down, but they feel they got to because they don't want to be that person named as not kneeling down. Yeah. So that's what will become there. Everyone, be your own person. Go just be your own. Um, Zaha's come out and said it. He's not playing at the moment, but when he plays his next game for Palace. Everyone's all they're gonna be talking about is Zaha's going to stand up. Oh, yeah. he stood up. And it's, it's absolutely embarrassing what we've what we've come to now with football. Why are we got why are we allowing all this to go on? Why are we allowing allowing the political side to get involved and we're talking about that before the game? Football has been taken over. <laughs> it's it's absolute. And people say to me, Oh, don't you wish you was playing now, Paul, the money and everything. I go, no. Why not, Paul? Because when I was playing, I was playing with Good on his people, and the game was in the hands, in the hands of the players and the fans. Mm. They were the most two most important things. the The most important thing is that is the people on the pitch, yeah. and then you got the people who actually were investing in the people on the pitch.
2: So there's a lot of criticism about all, you know, about um, you know they looked at the, the the scores and obviously it's another 0-0 against a, a top rival and it that apparently proves how cautious we are. So here's the rant um, that's coming up, the cautious side of it. Look, he tried to win the game. I'm, I'm not, I can't believe the short memories of some people. In his first season at United, Mourinho threw games at Arsenal and Spurs at the back end of the season because he gambled on the Europa League he did that and we finished 6th in the league now the gamble paid off because we won the Europa League but I, I would much rather have a proper go in the league even with an element of caution to compete with those teams around us of course we've said on these podcasts Paul that you know after all of those games um, looking similar as we have done flat in midfield, nothing from the forwards where we haven't looked like winning or we haven't looked like losing, at least we tried to win, we don't have a divine right to win games, and people are now saying Ole's holding the players back I don't know what they expected from this season, because I was saying at the start of this pod, you know we're in second place, we're playing well overall, there's an improvement in there at least, we can see the areas of the squad that need improvement And it's obvious that Ole wants players to improve those areas Like he wanted Sancho He wanted Haaland He's noticed we need to improve the team And we didn't get the players All the things that the critics are saying About how United should be doing better You know, City have got a better manager They've got better players They've got more money So they're going to finish top By the same criteria you're using to criticise Ole You should understand why City are top And we're second I'm not saying that automatically means that Ollie's the right man for the job. We still don't know that, you know, but he's not getting everything right. It's that's, frust- quite,
0: that's common sense you just say no wine by the way.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, it's frustrating that he picks Lindelof off every week, but he trusts him. It's frustrating that we play the centre midfielders that we do. But we've got that blend when other players are unavailable because it's obviously what we've got to do. surely no one's saying play Jim Garner, bring him back because McTominay didn't pass the ball well. We're second, we're playing better football than we have done under the last three managers. What needs to improve, people think you've got to match City. It isn't matching City. We're not gonna do it. You've got to get to a level of consistency in games like these where and we're not a million miles away from it. We do what Fergie did against Chelsea, you know, we you build a team that accumulates points against opponents. You get you know the four players that we've talked about before: a defender that's comfortable on the ball, a centre midfielder who's really good at using the ball, and and perhaps even better defensively, you know, tackling it, tackling his interceptions better. A centre midfielder, nonetheless, we need a right winger who can cross the ball, a centre forward who can finish and also move to create opportunities that might not exist, like what what we don't see from Martial, but we can see from Cavani. What difference that makes. Some players respond well to that competition Luke Shaw for example Even Rashford sometimes responds well to competition Others don't Martial's one of those players We know that we need three or four players ollie has got to be backed as much as possible To get those three or four players He's also got to show That he identifies that as an issue Now it's not a problem now for, you know, Obviously we get a little bit frustrated That he picks them But that's the squad that we've got if we go into exam, for example, if we go into next season, and that centre back partnership is Maguire and Lindelof, the centre midfield is McTominay and Fred, and we're relying on Martial for goals, then we can start saying, "Oh, he's part of that problem because he can't see what needs fixing." I just don't... And Paul, I, you said earlier, like, it's common sense. I wrote down these notes because I thought they, these were just the things that came to my head. Why isn't anyone else seeing this? Why, why is it always Oli's cautious? It's just I, that's a reasonable thing to expect. Who, who do they think is going to come in? There's no obvious coach in world football that's going to come in and get a big improvement out of this. And Ollie has deserved a chance... To take us that next level because he has improved us. You mentioned the fourteen points. I didn't even know that, but even that itself shows that even though we, you and I have both sort of said with the team sheets, oh, I'm not really sure about this. At least the improvement is there for Ollie to turn round to both you and I and say, "Well, I told you so." And you and I would both say, "All right, Ollie, you've you've earned that because the results have backed you up." I, I just. If we can be big enough to do that, and we were quite stubborn people with our opinions, why can't everyone else? It's, it's ridiculous. <coughs> I don't know. I'm running. I'm going off on one, but I just and, and I know that I'm preaching to the, the convert, Paul. I know that you you support Ollie and and you sort of agree with everything I just said. I just got you. You draw nil nil against Chelsea. It's not the worst result in the world, and it's not a sign that it's being negative. You could see that he was trying to win the games, but the players just. They didn't have the quality to do that. They didn't have the quality to do that. We don't have a divine right to win football matches. You know, by all means, let's have that, you know, like you and I did, have like a big interrogation after the Sheffield United game because you've got to look at the problems there that need fixing because we can do better than that. But a nil-nil against Chelsea, like yesterday, is kind of where we are at. So sorry guys, if you were expecting something better if you were expecting that Manchester City style domination it's not there, because that's not us that's not the manager, that's not the players, it's not the club it's just not going to be the case um, anyway uh, what's coming up this week, Palace um, you were there at the weekend Paul um, but we Palace have got good results against us in the past they've known how to play against us, it does, looks like they're going to be without Zahar um, okay. What, what can we expect from Palace this week?
0: <laughs> a stubborn team who just... If you, if you don't get something early against them and then go on from there, then you have a problem, as you've seen with the recent Brighton game. They don't, they don't, they don't give in. Roy Hodgson has got, he's got something about him. Ray Lewington does all the work, a lot of work off the touchline. Ray Lewington does with the team. Defensively, they're... they're yeah, just you know you see Gary Cahill is, is rejuvenated he's a, still a wonderful centre half the amount of blocks he gets in um, attacking wise they are missing, missing Zaha I was looking for Eze to step up with, without Zaha I don't think he's ready yet but he's a talent he's a talent when he's got the ball at his feet he's a talent but he's not really going looking for it he hasn't got that edge to him which Zaha has got and the thing about it Zaha if he was playing or if he is playing because I'm sure he still wants to prove a point then he's going to be a problem he makes a difference I think he gives that belief to a lot of the players when he is playing so everyone knows that you can't take Palace for granted especially Manchester United or any top side they play against. They seem. They seem to just have this threat about them that they seem to go and get something. So um, it, it is going to be a, initially a tough game. A tough game for them. But it's about how they deal with it.
2: Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, and obviously, for whatever reason, even despite the fans um, not being there, are um, better in away games at the moment. We've got that run um, of away um, undefeated games. Goes back over a year. Um, expect that we could get a result against Palace, um, but everyone in football is going to be expecting it to end against Manchester City at the weekend. Paul, see uh, on this unbelievable run of winning games. Um, basically, um, the the you know the plaudits are there for Guardiola again. Apparently, for the fourth time since he's been in England, he's reinvented the fullback position. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> They have won all these games. Before we talk about the game, this fullback thing that they keep talking about. You're as a, as a former fullback. Where do you stand on this? I look at it and I think I can see. Like you know, in the first season, he was making them a bit more narrow and wanted them to join in with the play a little bit to squeeze the play in the pitch. Um, what they were talking about with, I guess it's all about Cancelo at the moment and the way that he's playing. But I just, when I look at that, I just think that's just a matter of balance on the team, the way that City play because they have so much of the ball, they can afford to move <coughs> another player about as long as he's got the energy to move back into his normal position. When you when City don't have the ball, I don't understand what people again think he's so revolutionary about it. It's, you know, it's it's good to watch um, from um, a tactical perspective, but it's not. Particularly um, groundbreaking to overload players in possession, is it?
0: No, not in that way. But because it's City in the way that, the way they are, it's a different kind of movement, a different kind of ball retention. And the, by the um, fullbacks narrowing, that gives them the extra people in midfield. They can go back forwards. How many times they get in trouble in in the high end of the pitch, and they come back because the fullbacks are tucked in. Um, and what you are finding as well, well, teams like West Ham did West Ham got at them because in the second half because they was attacking the areas because of the the wide areas because the full backs were tucked in Mm.
2: that's
0: how West Ham got a little bit of joy from it and it's a battle but the difference is this time for them is they got two centre-halves maybe the best two centre-halves that Pep's had since he's left Barcelona In that sense, they are the better ones. They are the ones that he, he, he knows that he can put in there and they're going to do, well for, do really well for him. He knows that if one of them is playing next to someone else, they're OK. If both of them were missing, then it would be a big, big problem for him. You know, Fernandinho can go and do a job, but he, he wouldn't do a job as good as maybe what these two are doing quite consistently. It'd be interesting at the end of the season... Um, If City do win the league, is Diaz Diaz going to get the same um, fanfare as what Van Dyke got? Mm. Because Diaz has been incredible. Yeah, he's defending, he's attacking, everything about him's been brilliant. He's a better player with the ball than Van Dyke. He's more fluid with the ball, more flexible with the ball. I just think Van Dyke is a proper. You know, for for British football, is just bang and just does it all very easy doesn't overcomplicate comp- his game if he has to beat someone he will go and beat somebody yeah. it's just, and he does what his job requires him to do and he, he won't push it too far and take liberties and that's maybe why he looks what he is because he very rarely makes a mistake Diaz has got that look which I think we quite enjoy that kind of play you think to yourself boy, oh, you could imagine imagine him 10 years ago or, 10 years ago in a Pep Guardiola Barcelona team or 12 years ago, whenever it was, I've lost track of the years. But um, you could just see Diaz being in there. Even John Stones just fitting in there. We've seen PK play and have a fantastic career for Barcelona. John Stones at the moment could just fit in there the way he is mm. at this moment. So I think we have to say is that City have got something, but going back to where he started from, the one bit is, is that he's still... When you're talking about the full-backs, he's still lacking, if you look in certain ways, a decent left-back. Mm. That's the side where they're lacking. Mendy is, I don't know if he's still out there, wearing silly clothes and wearing sunglasses and still thinks he's going around taking pictures after they win the league, but he's never recovered
2: from that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, But they, this is the thing about City, it's something that I've drummed in. For for years is that you know it's all right saying that you know I agree with you Diaz is brilliant he's absolutely brilliant and Stones is playing the football that everyone sort of expected yeah exactly but this is the point that they, they expected it of him because we're talking like fifty sixty million pound defenders they had Ake and Laporta are their backups and Ake and Laporta are better than our defenders. Do you know what I mean? And then people expect, like people say, "Oh, he's he's revolutionised managing and defending again." No, he's spent a lot of money to get to that position, and, and top quality defenders as competition for other top quality defenders make it a better team. You know, and United don't have that. So what? I don't, I don't, just don't understand. Uh, credit where credit is due, Paul. You know, when they play good football and, and everything like that. But I just think that sometimes they give him so much credit about, you know... People say, oh, it's a stupid argument to say, oh, what would he do with care in town or something like that. No, no, I, I hate but, with that, yeah. But I would like to see him with normal resources, with a normal managerial hand dealt, in the same way that Klopp built a team, for example. That's why I always rate Klopp as a better coach slash manager than Guardiola, because... I can see the product of what he did, whereas Guardiola, you spend four hundred million every year. Then you're gonna get what you're gonna get. I'm not saying that Guardiola hasn't influenced that. I just think I don't see the product of it as much as I do at other clubs. And but it, it, you know, regardless of that, that's the task that United face at the weekend. Um, and in a way that area those areas that they do leave when they condense the pitches kind of the areas that United like to exploit isn't it James and Rashford on either side so um, in some ways you would say it's as set up for a United win as it is for a City win Um, am I being too optimistic with that one
0: what about the way the game's going to go
2: not in terms of what I expect but in terms of the way that both teams line up that um, you know United they, you know, City are brilliant, and they are not going to give United time on the ball. But United's strengths can still be seen if they if they are. Obviously, in order for that to be the case, United are going to have to be clinical with the ball and accurate with the ball. Which is they did it. Was it the league game last season? We, we showed that, but obviously it's not something that we see very often.
0: Yeah, like well, let's put, let's put it this way: <laughs> it's got to be. It's, I think the game has got to be more interesting than the one at OT. Earlier, I feel that. I mean, that was that was awful, and to use the word awful, I think I'm being quite lenient. Yeah, it was. was, I mean, and the worst thing for me was is that I travelled up the 220 miles off the record, of course, um, (laughs) to go to to be there to work at that game. So, um, it it was. You know, it wasn't. It was. It was poor as poor as a derby game has ever been, to be honest. But it was. City hadn't really weren't really in the in the mindset of where they are now. Yeah. They they couldn't they, they they didn't want to lose that game. Couldn't afford to lose the game. United were on the back of a were going through a decent run of form as well. They didn't want to lose the game, in that sense, especially lose the City. So the game just it just it just it wasn't there. There was nothing there. People, everyone was scared to really go and make that make that big move. This one will have have a little bit more. I've seen United go now, be at the Etihad on two last two occasions, and they've been and they've done really they've done really well mm-hmm. when they've gone there. So people ex- um, people will expect the same. You know, United's a form to come into it, but I don't know. At some point, the away form is going to go. It's, I mean that record's going to go? They just they do go at some point. Yeah. So this, it, could be, it could be the City game where City just take the game to them because they want to keep this winning game, this winning run going. But it could go at Crystal Palace because of maybe what Oli might change the team and put his mind into what's going to happen against City rather than what's going to happen against Crystal Palace. Because Palace won't change hardly. They won't, there won't be much of a change in that team. One, because Roy is one of those managers who loves continuity. And two, he hasn't really got the personnel to bring in to, to believe that he can get something out of the game if he makes changes. Yeah.
2: I think we're on the same page with this. That, you know We're expecting on next week's podcast that we'll be talking about United losing their away record, but it's just as likely to be against Palace. And we're talking about a win at City than the other way around. It could be either way, really. But that's sort of sums up United's season. Um, or oh, oh, we could be talking about 2 0 nil nils the way that things are going as well um, United's unpredictability um, always a, a joy to cover when when we talk on Monday mornings about it um, yeah that's it for this week guys I'm not going to push Paul for predictions on them because um, like you. I just said they're going to go either way aren't they yeah. um, although I do I, my, I'm, I, I rarely give predictions but I'm going with that one, the away run will end this week I'm just not sure which game um Um, And I I think we'll at least, I think we'll win one of them. Again, don't push me on which one. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, remember guys, TOTD10 for a 10% discount with classic football shirts. Please leave us a nice review or rating on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening.
1: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year.